Älskar du den här podden? Stötta den genom IKAs nya supporterfunktion. Det är helt upp till dig hur mycket du vill bidra med och det finns ingen bindningstid. Klicka på länken i poddbeskrivningen för att visa din uppskattning och stötta podden. Hej, det är Ryan Reynolds och jag är här med Keith, co-star av min upcoming film If, only in theaters, may 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. I think it was about two years ago when I happened to see a short interview with the Icelandic woman on Swedish TV. I don't really remember exactly what the interview was about, but I think it was about sustainable fashion. The woman that they spoke to was described as a fashion designer and Icelandic guide, and that sparked my interest. I wrote her name down, and when I this winter planned my trip to Iceland, I contacted her. Welcome to episode 12 in the Husky International series and a long interview with Katrin Karadottir. My name is Magnus Ormestad and this is the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Find out more about this episode and previous episodes at huskypodcast.com or at the handle huskypodcast on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We, we got the coffee, we got the microphones, yeah, we got the dog. The snoring dog. The snoring dog. <laughs> What's your name? Her name. What's your name? My name, Katrin Karadotter, Katrin Maria Karadotter. And what's the dog's name? Vivian. 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 After Westwood. Uh, yeah, actually. But it wasn't me who chose the name, it was my daughter. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Um, where did you grow up? Um... I was born in Reykjavik, but I grew up in Vík, the most southern village of uh, of Iceland, the one with the famous black beaches. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I grew up there for the first five years, which was perfect uh, for me just to run free. And you know, my sisters didn't like it all that much. I was lost all the time. You know, just. Were you unlike your siblings, your sisters? Yeah, I was. Still am the odd one out. Sometimes wonder if I was like a cuckoo's, uh, cuckoo's uh, little bird, but uh, but I look like them, so no, I guess no, no, very unlike them somehow. I was the youngest and uh, the most adventurous, and somehow I don't know. Is that what your childhood childhood was like, running free? 
yes, I, I, I feel it was. And I remember exactly when was the first time uh, I was allowed to play after dinner, after dinner time in summer. There was, uh, they had been cutting all the grass and putting it all together up the hill across the house where I lived and my mom called me in for dinner. And uh, I had hidden in this huge pile of grass and she was like, you should come in, come in now for dinner. I was like, not unless I can play after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that moment specifically. It was, yeah, no, it was good to, to be a kid there. To just kind of, you had all these kind of mind games and uh, I was always planning on, on leaving leaving uh, on my little tricycle with a biscuit in my bag. And, you know, then it started to get dark or I felt hungry or for, just forgot that I was angry or something. I went back home. It was pretty good. Or my sisters found me somewhere. So, yeah, no, I, I was different from, from them always. Uh, was was nature, of course, I mean, I can imagine growing up on, on Iceland, whether you like it or not, nature is always present. But was, was nature, did nature play a big part for you, like growing up, even in Reykjavik? Yeah, yeah. Um, we you can't moved. escape it, you can't escape it here. No, I mean, <clears throat> I couldn't, but I had this conversation with a colleague of mine from the art academy that, that she is kind of, she so much wanted to get away from this enormous nature presence uh, and she's kind of realizing that she cannot but i think i've always known that i cannot escape this and un unless with horrible consequence i need i need my connection with nature uh, in paris i did and when we moved back when we moved here uh, i had nightmares because I just want, didn't want to leave where I had been. But uh, Reykjavik is such a city that you can still have... It's not very far to get contact with nature. And many places to hide and get lost also. You know, so <laughs> That problem was... The perfect mix. Yeah, it was a perfect place. Uh, did, you have, uh, did you have... Did you dream of adventures when you were a kid? Or like a bit older maybe? Yeah. Like the big expeditions and adventures and mountains. And always, always. There was this uh, Monica Christiansen. Uh, she was a Norwegian explorer. She uh, skied the South Pole. No. A dog sled. A dog sled. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember there was. Uh, I remember all the photographs from this book. I looked at it so often. And there was this guy. He had this headband. He was on your team with 90 degrees south written on it and yeah no always adventures and I had to um, I had to as a kid uh, don't I need to shut this up no it's okay is it okay they, yeah they'll fall asleep soon I think okay. uh, no I uh, I always wanted adventure and we had this system that uh, if you were born early in the year they would uh, test you um, if you should, you know, go to school with the kids that were in the year before you. Uh, I had this type of test, but I didn't feel I should go to school with uh, the older kids, but I should take an art course. And I remember in that art course, course that uh, we should draw what we wanted to be when we were older. 
and most uh, most of the girls uh, threw themselves in a shop or something and uh, and the guys they had like cars or f were farmers or something I was an acrobat flying through the air <laughs> I always wanted to work in a circus yeah daydreaming and adventures always since forever but did creativity creativity did it come early to you yeah I did try to escape that because somehow I was I don't know I was prejudiced against uh, highly cultural things um, somehow there were other people that did that and it was um, some kind of a snobbery to me in a way I was a yeah but but then just as as life went on my best friends most of them became artists so and so did I in a way so I mean you cannot really escape who you are somehow is it odd or is it God <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd God maybe <laughs> no it was uh, no and now um I, I seek the company of creative people. I don't know, I feel at home with that. Is it a cliche to, to kind of always connect, if you look at Icelandic creative people, like working within the, within the creative arts, is it a cliche to always connect it with the Icelandic nature? A cliche? I... Maybe, maybe it is. For me, the connection there is um, the connection is that I for for fashion I don't necessarily uh, get inspired by Icelandic nature for my work directly. I think oftentimes it's just uh, uh, I go to nature to kind of gather myself uh, to to find who I am to you know to because. Fashion world is really um, super fast, and it's not necessarily um, politically correct. It's fantasy, and uh, it's highly competitive, and it's kind of easy to go there and to lose yourself. So for for me personally, nature is to get my power and connection with with uh, what I am somehow. But I know a lot of people do get inspired by nature directly but for me it's uh, not necessarily so unless maybe if I see a photo shoot it's quite often in nature yeah. most of, of the time but colors and such I don't necessarily take directly from Icelandic nature because I can I, I mean and now again I'm only guessing but I can imagine as a for instance as a designer or a creator of some kind if you are from Iceland there is a lot of focus on the fact that you actually are from Iceland if, you know if, if you were English or French or Swedish maybe you know you wouldn't you would be just a quote-unquote designer but mm -hmm. now you're an Icelandic designer because it makes it a bit more exotic I don't know I mean I didn't I have didn't f I mean as just as a human being in in Paris when I was living there, I mean, and I guess everywhere at the time when when Björk was really peaking, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a privilege to be Icelandic for sure. She, she was she was that important for 
Put, putting on a, putting it on the map. Yeah. Yeah, it's as simple as that. And then after that came then Seguros and I don't know. Yeah, you could definitely feel it within the creative industries that being Icelandic because of them was an asset somehow. Yeah. You got really super hip. Well, I wouldn't say <laughs> super hip, but yeah, it I think it really did help and I mean Iceland is just a tiny little island up north. I mean, but I do feel though that uh, the 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 north is uh, fashionable now uh, in films, in fashion, in all sorts of uh, arenas, and not only Iceland. I feel Scandinavia, you know, just the north has kind of mm, the north is the new black. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know. <laughs> Uh, maybe I, I I feel there is a, there's an there's more interest in the north just to um, and I, the, I mean we, sh we should definitely uh, benefit from that yeah. there's also a lot of sustainable uh, thinking and branding and all that uh, all that type of thing here in the north and and I could also include maybe a Lettland and Lithuania and uh, Estonia in that pool, Finland, you know, it's uh, mm. it's quite nature connected. And uh, so that must be a positive mm. thing that people are looking to 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 us. And I think we should uh, seize that, that opportunity to influence the... Um, how did you uh, end up in the fashion industry? Oh. <laughs> That's a long, long way. No, yeah, I mean, I connected, I, I saw this interview, I, I'm not very much into ballet, but I really love that ballerina, Plietskaya, and uh, and it came, she, she had, was talking about uh, her being a ballerina, and for her always, it always came easy for her somehow, even though easy is relative, you know, ex extremely hard working but but for me I don't know doing things with my hands and doing textiles was always easy for me I got told off uh, in uh, when I was about seven that I had let my mother do my crochet thing uh, for school when I had did, did it, I did it myself mm. you know it, it was just easy for me mm. then I was uh, a very young mother and I was looking for a direction because all of a sudden, because I was not very ambitious as a teenager, I was a rebel and I just, I had one plan in the world and that was to uh, go on a motorbike coast to coast in America. I got my license, I, I got uh, a loan signed to buy a motorbike for that, for that plan. I was studying to... Uh, fix engines in small boats so I could gather money for the trip as f so fast as possible. So then all of a sudden everything had to change, re change really fast. So I was looking for a new direction and then it just kind of came to me that this was always easy and, and enjoyable for me. I, so I decided to study tailoring, but I had, hadn't really sewn much. And that was also, com at that time, it was super po popular. I think there were uh, almost 80 applicants 
who applied for this and uh, somehow got in. And then uh, 20, 28 got in and half was cut uh, down, so only 14 got to continue. So that was a kind of like a hard winter, but yeah, that's kind of how that started. And then I wanted to do costumes and through Europe has got a, this Leonardo program or Erasmus that you can get scholarships mm -hmm. to go. And I went to BBC because that was the most important or the most interesting for me place to go. But I could also go to Paris and have extra, one extra month for studying French. And I went to, um, to Martin Sitbon for an internship. And that was just like meeting the talented people there. I just felt, okay, I belong here. This this feels right. I, I don't feel strange here. Other people who were roaming free. Yeah, <laughs> and also other people who were doing doing fashion and uh, seeing clothes and seeing people the way I saw them, you know, in, in, in a sense. So I just, I just felt right at home. And I was so inspired by their talent and uh, the beauty of uh, their work. So I just wanted to be there. So I decided to move to Paris and study, you know, to study fashion. But somehow I never felt like, like I could be a designer. It was only to be, to learn better about proportion, to be a better tailor. And then somehow I became a designer as it seemed like I could do it. So. And being a designer at that point, what what did that like? What did that mean? What did you do? Where mm. did you work? In Iceland, it didn't mean anything really. You know, it was nobody was that had that occupation. I think there was one one shop that was a they had studied in Holland or something. Two girls with sparks must be added. But apart from that, nobody made a living out of that. So it didn't, it only meant that I wanted to do what I wanted to do, you know. And looking back at it now, it's such a young single mom, it's just a ridiculous plan, really. <laughs> you know, to go to Paris and study fashion, that's just, oh my God, I don't, I don't know. It, it seems like a crazy plan now. It kind of worked though. It did. It did work, and uh, no, I've never regretted it. And just also learning the language, uh, French has uh, gotten me a lot of guiding jobs because you know they they are the biggest trackers that visit Iceland. Mm. That, that they buy uh, the backpacking trips and the and the tracks and also tri trips in Greenland. Mm. So that has given me a lot of interesting work also in that arena. So. But you've been you've been working for like Christian Dior, John Galliano. Uh, I was uh, I was an intern there for for uh, some months, and then I was an assistant designer there uh, for um, for a few months also. But yeah, uh, I learned a great great deal of things there. But uh, yeah, no, no, I think that opened up uh, a lot of uh, things for me and. Uh, I was working with this uh, Danish designer, her name is uh, Anja von Krag. I was assisting her uh, at the end and she kind of specialized in, in, in volume and I learned a great deal there. So uh, 
working directly in fabric and on a mannequin uh, kind of became my trademark for a while. Um, so so that was a that was a great time and just to to be in a company with uh, endless possibilities, you know. Working as a designer here, like for my students today, is like they have to make do with what they have and maybe gather a little extra. But I think that also can, you know, bring a lot. And mm. it's probably what we are looking at in the future also, trying to use more local mm. uh, resources. Uh, <clears throat> didn't you ever feel like you had to like choose one path like did you did you at this point consider not working with a uh, with the guiding stuff but uh, like okay so now i live in paris and i'm a fashion designer <clears throat> yes of course and uh, i have worked with people that kind of wanted to or it worked for people that really uh, wanted me to to choose but I just uh, maybe I didn't get a possibility that was tempting enough but uh, but I always felt this was uh, out of the question I don't know how I cannot really see how I could uh, work only in fashion unless I would have a super great job and take months of vacation you know <laughs> to have my personal but I never had that financial support to do that but otherwise yeah I mean I would have been able to work in fashion and take three months of vacation in the mountains for myself but I, I need my time in nature for sure a lot of people do go crazy in in the industry you know and I think I would be one of them <laughs> true <laughs> Um, how do you go about becoming a becoming a guide? Oh, because that started early as well. You told me yesterday. Yeah, well, I um, started in a, up in a rescue team uh, as when I was a teenager, seventeen, and and um, I did my my first training there. And then, as it happened, um, I, I continued to go to the mountains, and when when tourism was very young in Iceland, there was a like a boom, and people needed guides and somebody that knew something about surviving in nature and about Iceland and hiking, and also spoke some French. I was just pretty much just Shanghai into the business at that time, and all of a sudden I was doing a trip. It was a very simple trip with very small little hikes, and and then. You take courses, and then I went to the guiding school, and you know, so that just kind of came gradually after I even did my first trip. But at that time, we didn't have the same rules and regulations, you know. Today, this is not really possible. But I've been guiding for for fifteen years now, so. But I'm still, uh, I'm still learning, and I'm, you know. Now I'm going to, uh, for the second time, for the Wilderness uh, First Responder, which is now uh, required to do any of almost any of the trips that I do now. It's like a 10-day course just on first aid and, and that type of thing, that I have to renew my license for that every two years. 
and also for the for the glacier guiding thing, you know, you have to be able to get people out of a crevasse within. You can't a certain just leave time. them behind anymore like you did before. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's uh, it's out. It, it's not allowed anymore. No, but uh, rules and regulations have kind of um, changed a lot. But I think it's I think that that is really a great thing. Because tourism also is, is booming. It uh, is booming. On yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, it's just a matter of time when somebody's going to have an accident on a glacier. We've been, you know, I just want to make sure it's not on my shift, you know. And, and I work for a company that is quite ambitious for that and kind of a leader in that field. So, so constant training is, uh, is uh, necessary. What does your own spare time look like when it comes to uh, mountain-related activities? Mm, Maybe a bit like my work, (laughs) in a way, you know. Uh, I like cross-country skiing and I also uh, enjoy very much backpacking. Backpacking is maybe... uh, it's Those are trips that are not selling as much as the easier ones. So uh, backpacking would definitely be a, a spare time uh, activity. Also, uh, where I can stop and fish uh, itself. In uh, my stepfather, he he brought that kind of into the family, and I've been fly fishing since I was 13 uh, with him. So if I get a chance to uh, backpack in a where I can where I can. Uh, Fish for trout, I think that's beautiful, you know, a nice friend and yeah, that, that would be a, something nice. And uh, fishing with my family, of course. You're also uh, hunting. Yeah, I, I'm not Iceland's biggest hunter, but, <laughs> but uh, somebody had to step up when my stepfather couldn't uh, hunt for Christmas anymore. Somebody had to step up and there was no man in the family, <laughs> only sisters. Uh, so yeah, I, I try to hunt for Christmas. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, what inspires you? Ooh. Uh, people inspire me greatly. Uh, art and all sorts of beauty wherever I can find it. Um, I don't know colors and, and kindnesses. I I don't know. I I bravery uh, of of uh, people and and animals. All these type of things and inspire me. Life pretty much, you know. And uh, I greatly admire people that stick their neck out for uh, for others, for instance. And, but what inspires me for. For fa- a fashion collection is not necessarily the same as there is always a crossover, but 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 fashion has got this. Um, it's a rebellious thing, in a way, uh, and it's got this uh, a little bit of decadence in it, or maybe sometimes a lot, you know, which I find interesting and amusing, but uh, and that's got yeah that's something that I don't um, I don't find in, in nature I mean animals are not really decadent you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a human kind of a except for the snoring dog behind us not maybe yeah <laughs> she's a cutie she's old now <laughs> what um, what scares you oh what scares me um, I I would. I probably. I, I am. I'm scared of uh, people. That is uh, the 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 cru the the cruelness that people are able to to show. I, I find that is quite scary. Large amount of people, like many many people, and chaos. I would. That would scare me definitely. Um, n- I th- I think madness scares me, you know. I think that's also why I I I feel like I need nature. I I, I have never been able to take drugs or anything like that because uh, I need I need to I don't know um, losing control of 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 yourself of myself or not like as in control that I have to kind of control anything but everything it's just uh, just to to stay in my core because otherwise nothing is going to make any sense does that connect anything to uh, like working uh, as a guide for instance or be- being out in nature in, in isolation how, how you uh, how you handle fear in those situations I very much feel um, uh, in my natural habitat in in nature isolated i i feel that is a normal state somehow and um and i f- i feel uh when i felt fear in that kind of situation 
especially uh, here and in Greenland, where I've spent most of my time, I I just feel it would be an I I belong here. I, I am those mountains too. For me to die here would be normal, somehow, in a strange way. And uh, so I, that doesn't really scare me. But I do admit. I mean, I I when I go to bed east of Greenland, knowing polar bears are in the region. I do think about it with my gun in my tent, you know, that one one night I'm going to wake up with a sound of <laughs> somebody's just ripping up my tent and there's a polar bear grinning, you know. So that I find that a bit scary, but but then it's just a choice. Do you want to go there or do you do you not? And what are, what are the odds? And the odds are in my favor. They're not really looking for me, you know. So, yeah. You remember the first time coming to Greenland? Yes, I do. I will never forget it. It was a, it was a glorious moment. We, uh, we, we flew over the, the east coast and um, we saw all the peaks and we were flying, flying in to Nassasuak. And just to see all the icebergs and uh, the mountains directly kind of uh, falling into the you know, I had tears in my eyes and goosebumps I was really moved it was a truly a majestic and glorious uh, sight and I still feel feel that way when I when I see it it is incredible incredible absolutely um, I did wonder where the hell I was gonna hike because it just seemed like it was not possible to walk anywhere it just seemed so steep and uh, the granite is quite different from from Iceland uh, how it kind of forms towards the sea also. We often have like flat lowland, but the granite seems to kind of fall directly into the sea oftentimes. So that is quite different. But uh, the the smell of the flora is exactly the same almost everywhere that I have been. So it feels like home with all that smell of, uh, of uh, the of the flowers and the vegetation, but then the rocks, they don't smell the same. And the sea doesn't smell the same. Because the f one of the first thing I noticed in, in Narsaswak, I went down to the harbor and a boat was coming to get us and the sea smelled so different. But that's uh, later I just realized it's because the, the fjords, they are so, so deep and there's so much ice melting into them that there's so much uh, fresh water in it. And there was actually close by there, in a little field that was full of little icebergs, a horse came and took a sip out of the sea. This does not happen here. It's so salty, you know. So that is quite different, quite different. But, uh, with, with, with Greenland, you also have the like, human culture in a, in a different way as well, with the Inuits. Is that um, something that you... Uh, are interested in the the human integration into that. I, fi I, I find uh, the Greenlanders uh, immensely uh, interesting. I f I feel there is a great gap, and their culture is very very different from ours. And uh, the thing is that I can talk with them a little bit in Danish. But so many of them don't speak Danish, and uh, no, I feel very curious, and their sense of humor uh, seems to be 
quite uh, cool <laughs> and cold and, you know, dark. <laughs> he got I, eaten by a, a polar bear. Uh, <laughs> Not only yeah, jokes yeah. about people. No, but they have all... Uh, yeah, they, they got <laughs> scary stories, very scary uh, folkloric stories. Um, and, no, I, I find them immensely uh, interesting and I would like to... Uh, I would like to know more, but my time that I spent in Greenland has mostly been in the mountains, so I kind of go there to get get uh, supplies and things like that. We go to the museums, they have interesting museums uh, in Tasilak, and then there's another one, uh, a small but quite interesting in Kulusuk by now. Um, but. You could probably hear that I mostly speak of the East Coast. That's where I spend most of my time. Um, but, um, yeah, no, very interesting. And I would like to know more. And just also the, how mysteriously uh, they are non-related also between themselves. People just think that this is one one people kind of thing. And they, they don't even necessarily understand each other between the East Coast and the West Coast and things like that, that people, are, people don't always necessarily know. I mean, they're less than 60,000, but the, but the size of, of Greenland is just so immense, you know. But, now, very, very interesting. Um, it seems like you have like one one foot in the in the very modern society within fashion, but also one foot in the in the more timeless and ancient society when it comes to like nature and so on are you ever worried for a modern society constantly i th- i am i am absolutely sure we're on the wrong track and uh, we are that we are moving really fast uh that being said i mean i'm a big fan of hans rosling also that i i do believe that there is a balance to be found but uh, it does, I, I think uh, it's possible that we will kind of find solutions to our problems, but uh, it will not be without effort and we're gonna have, we're gonna need a bit of luck also. Because uh, the, as, he, as he says, and I had been thinking before that, I think um, shifts, um, Big shifts in, in, in conditions uh, can be very dangerous and, uh, and uh, we have to be careful, uh, especially just uh, in how we're going to share this planet and to avoid the war and things like that. Uh, I mean, because because fashion could could definitely be a, a quite like clear symbol for like consumerism and so on. Is that something that you... Uh worry about and think of and a lot yeah I do um, the way um, because I because uh, if you look at the fashion history it's so recent that we have uh, come to believe that uh, an outfit or a piece of clothing is something that you should be able to come by easily and cheaply it's just a com- completely new concept, and uh, I think we have to um, 
I mean, it is not uh, clothes are not something that you should uh, buy like food. You know, you you have to think about it because uh, whether it's being synthetic, it's made from oil, uh, fossil. Uh, fossil oil and then uh, then natural fibers they are not endless and it does cost a lot of uh, it does cost nature a lot to produce these fibers for us and as more and more people uh, want uh, what we have normally and why should uh, why should uh, so such few people have uh, all the luxury and the other ones not I, th uh, I think we have to be aware of what we are doing. Uh, if all Chinese people would have two pairs of woolen socks, it would uh, need all the wool fibers that we have on supply in the world. So, I mean, we have to kind of con consider these things, and uh, I just don't see the point in, I mean, I don't see the point in having tan black dresses that I never even liked when I bought them, you know. So, I mean, having few things and then also, I mean, I sometimes I when I read articles like, if you have a piece of a, of a garment or piece of clothing that you haven't used for six months, throw it out, give it to charity. I mean, we cannot always assume that other people are going to want our rubbish, you know, that for us to buy uh, clothes that we don't particularly like ourselves, where one time handed down to other people, maybe they want to choose their own, you know. So some people cannot really buy stuff, but the, the, the amount the Western world is sending of clothes to Africa, I mean, and it's just piling up and piling up and... And now it's just uh, a lot of textile is being torn up to be put into isolation for cars. And but we're going to run out of use mm. for this, you know, because it's it uh, the market uh, is just getting bigger and bigger. And uh, in in America, for for instance, uh, the average American buys around sixty garments a year. It's more than one a week. I mean, what is this? You know. Like we said yesterday, somewhere along the way, someone is, is going to have to pay for that. Oh, somebody is paying for that. Yeah, yeah, nature is paying dearly and greatly. And uh, with the, we, we saw the accident in Bangladesh. And uh, now that the conditions are... Like we, we were able to get super cheap things from, from China. Uh, China. China's economy has, has gone up. People want to get better salaries naturally you know so their standards are going up and then we move over to Cambodia and uh, other countries but in the end I mean nobody wants to live in those conditions and I don't think for I don't think uh, it's not uh, it's normal for for the few sitting in the Western world to buy rubbish and uh, we because we always want to buy cheap and and the clothes didn't used to be cheap, you know. You just paid a decent price, you know. It takes it takes uh, resources to produce uh, wool, and then 
somebody needs to cut the wool of the of the sheep and make the thread and weave the fabric and but somehow people all of a sudden think it's normal to buy a a woolen jacket for thirty dollars and it just doesn't add up at all no matter how you look at it, it just doesn't add up so somebody's bleeding and most most likely it's the people at the bottom of the chain that are bleeding. I mean, if, uh, if the companies didn't make profit, they would stop making it. So they are making sure that they get their profit. So they are getting profit. Somebody else is paying dearly, that's for sure. Um, to, be, to be very like prejudiced and, and, uh, and judgmental in a way, uh, like working as a guide, Mm-hmm. Would I think most would would consider consider that to be a classical, like male oriented profession, yeah. and and working within the fashion industry would be considered to be a more of a female type of profession. Do you enjoy like building bridges like that, like um, kind of playing what what people suspect or expect? <laughs> When I realized that I was uh, moving into puberty and becoming a woman, no matter what I would do, I just couldn't believe when I realized what kind of a path society had planned for me. How was that even possible to just assume that I would go this direction? No, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, uh, it, that was really shocking. Um, to realize that this this was that that there was actually a plan for me, and it was a really boring plan I felt at that point. So I had uh, long hair, I cut it short, just to kind of prolong the the period when I could just be me without being either way, you know. Because I, I mean, I don't want to be a man. I don't ever. I really enjoy being a woman, but. I don't think we are always getting the the, the fun part in life, you know. Like, uh, and also when I was a young mother, and uh, me and my my uh, my child's father, we were a couple for for some years, and we would go to uh, my mom's summer house, and all of a sudden, I realized that things had changed. Now he was supposed to go fishing, and I was supposed to be home with with, uh, with my daughter and I just didn't understand how because it was me who really enjoyed fishing he didn't enjoy it that much but even my family felt it should be like that and yeah I believe that that has affected my life and my choices in life greatly yes I do I have I have to admit it I, I just to uh, just to realize that I was expected to to do all the cooking. I don't I I'm a decent cook, but I don't really enjoy it, you know. And I also think uh for instance, sweater my uh, uh my boyfriend today and my partner, he enjoys cooking. I don't really. Why should I do it? It's just it's weird. Yeah. And and too also I think it was very challenging too. Yeah, I had to do a lot of things because I was supposed to not to be able to do it. I really do. And as I said, I've been uh, in the in a school for um, Icelandic uh, 
or what do you call them, you know, f- fishermen, well, well, to learn how to control big ships and boats and to fix engineers, uh, engines. I was in that school when I uh, got pregnant. And uh, there was this, I was the only girl in the school and we had, uh, we were on this boat and it was a rescuing kind of a course. And I know that I sometimes freeze when I'm supposed to jump off really high things. And I just felt the pressure of on me to and not freeze and do something, you know, wimpy. So, uh, no, and, and also we had to do, uh, we had to, um, we had, were blindfolded and we were uh, practicing rescue in a, in a fire conditions, under fire in a boat, when you have like this uh, scuba diving equipment on your back and you're blindfolded and the heat, the wall, so you, mm. They play all these type of tricks with you and have uh, exposure to fire while that. And I knew that people would often get claustrophobic and uh, and scared during during that. And I felt it was super important that because I was the only woman in the school, I would not panic. I felt the weight of the world on me for that. <laughs> and also during math classes also, because the teacher used to take us up to the... Blackboard, and I was never really interested in math, but I was super in this class because I was presenting all women, and if I would fail, we would never get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it has it has um, affected my life, and and bit bridges, yeah, yeah. But as as I get older, I don't think about this so much anymore. Um, Maybe I don't have to, you know. You know, there are a lot of uh, Icelandic uh, women guides, very good guides that I respect greatly. And uh, mountaineers also. Uh, So I don't feel that I have to prove that women can do this. Not here, you know, but I, I, of course, I mean, this is just beginning around the world, you know. And in fashion, fashion has been male-dominated in in a lot of ways, still, you know. So, uh, oh, but I'm more relaxed about it now. You know, I don't feel like I have to prove so much. At what stage are you now in life? Mm. I don't know. I now that um. Now that I've been a guide for 15 years, I'm at the stage where I feel like I always have felt that I need to step up my game. I feel like um, I need to uh, challenge myself uh, in all areas of guiding, really. And as a director of fashion studies at the Icelandic Academy of the Arts, I really feel I need to step up my game. I have to do a lot better. And as a fashion designer, it's the same, you know. I, I have never really felt uh, that I was there, you know. And I don't think I ever will. It's always like a, something to improve or, you know. At some point, I mean, uh, maintenance uh, might seem to be the choice. But the way the world is moving, you know, 
I don't think so. I mean, there's always more and more, you know, the, the demands are always higher and higher. And, but I think it's also, uh, as a person, you know, I just think that I will never feel like I'm there. You know, as a, I need to be a better person. Uh, I want to, you know, improve myself. The journey never ends. No, it, <laughs> I don't think it will. And you know, I, I will. I'm probably, I'm very likely to become the kind, kind of an old person that needs to prove that old people can do stuff. <laughs> I can see that coming mm -hmm. already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My daughter has seen it coming already. <laughs> that uh, aging doesn't have to be a, a bad thing. Uh, I'm enjoying it already. I'm not really old, but uh, I'm already enjoying it. So, so that that would definitely, yeah, yeah, that that would be that. I mean, if you've seen um, advanced style, you know, do you do you know that? No, it's this. Um, blogger or yeah he started blogging about elderly women mm -hmm. extraordinary women with a with a great style and it kind of has gone viral and it's, there's a movie now and <laughs> books and stuff and uh, I think that's a great inspiration for for some time uh, the the admiration of youth totally kind of took over but I, f I feel like uh, my generation uh, is not going to accept that, really. You know, it's like we are not going to accept to get out of style. So we're going to fight for that too. <laughs> 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 but that's a really fun challenge, you know, just to at some point go full-blown eccentric, really. <laughs> <laughs> Rifle in hand, fishing rod in hand. Yeah, 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 the, the, the works, really. <laughs> You know, and uh, and I had uh, this this uh, when I was a teenager at school, uh, we were supposed to predict the future of each other. Uh, this is probably when we were fourteen, and my classmate they did uh, foresee that I would be on a isolated house in a rocking chair with a shotgun in my on my lap like uh, you know uh, the 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 grandma of the Dalton brothers that's kind of how they saw me and I was really shocked but I I kind of get it now <laughs> I will have a mannequin back you know at, at the back and I will sit on the porch with my gun and my dog probably <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for taking your time. Oh, so well. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 